And that's incredibly powerful because so many people think marketing is about puffing yourself up, making claims, hype, you know, all of this stuff that doesn't work. So from that simple mindset shift, I've been saying this for decade and a half now, which is if you can remember that they're Luke Skywalker and you're Obi-Wan Kenobi, you're ahead of most marketers out there. Welcome to Longevity Gains, the show that reveals the near limitless opportunities for digital marketers and entrepreneurs in the longevity economy. We're talking about the people aged 50 and over who already account for more than half of consumer spending in the US and 83% of household wealth, which will only increase in the years to come. It's the $22 trillion opportunity you can't afford to ignore. Well, Brian, I have to tell you that after the summer heat that we just experienced here in Texas, and I know a lot of a lot of people in other areas have experienced this too, but the relentless high temps, the record highs, no rain, it's really starting to wonder if this whole living longer thing was actually worth it. But, you know, fall finally started to break through this week, and I'm enjoying being a human again. How are you? Yeah, it's surprising that we had one of the wettest years in Colorado in a long time, and we never even hit 100 once. <laughs> which you know when it when it gets in the 90s here people start freaking out so somehow mild uh in colorado this year nice too much rain though just kind of messed things up in a, in a different kind of way but no no wildfires no problems so I, i'm calling it a win over here you got to move out of texas <laughs> i i don't know what else to tell you it's coming it is coming eventually it definitely is so, uh, so you know, so we we launched the podcast a few weeks ago, and we happened to do it right at the beginning of the 2023 college football season, which featured just this unexpected meteoric story of Deion Sanders powering the Colorado Buffalo football Buffalo's football team to being the number one story in all of sports. We've somehow found a way for two weeks to talk about it on the Longevity Gains podcast, where it seems like there's no connection. We can't possibly do it again, can we? Or is there, I think is we, there an angle? I, I think we have an angle, but I promise you out there, a lot of you aren't into the sports ball. And even if you are specifically not the Colorado Buffaloes college football team, despite it, it is true. It's not the biggest story in college sports. It's the biggest story in sports right now. And you and live it, there. It's, it's my parents' alma mater. So there's like a personal connection we have to it, which is yeah. what brings it top, top of mind. Mm -hmm. But. My son's blessed sports life continues. I took him to one NFL game when he was little. The Broncos beat the Patriots in overtime. And that's the only game he's ever been to. He's just like, okay. And then he he decides to start paying attention closely to the NBA for the first time. Nuggets win the nice. World Championship. You know? And now he goes start school at CU and he's like, this is just how it works, right? And I'm like, Man, you should have Man. been there in Houston when I grew up when everyone lost the Oilers, the Astros, the Rockets, 
would always have potential and they would always lose. The boy needs to understand that sports is pain. That's true. But you know what? But maybe the way he's doing it is the way it should happen. Because what happens, like I became an Indiana basketball fan growing up and you develop these emotional connections that make it hurt when your team loses, but you have to stick with this team because you're connected to him. He's waited until he was older so he can just pick and choose and jump to the good teams that are winning. Much, It's a much healthier way to experience it, probably. Yeah, yeah I guess so. <laughs> <laughs> but it builds no character that's true. anyway that speaking true. of character i do have uh i, I you know this dion again which i will reiterate n- not historically a fan but i gotta say the guy's one of the greatest motivational speakers in the world and and he's authentic i, I mean he means it uh when he talks about the kids in the program despite how relentless he was in reorganizing everything. He wanted people that wanted to be there and wanted to be part of something, you know, but I saw him talking uh, the other day in an interview and he's talking about how he is not the story. These kids are the story. He's the mentor. He's there to make them better. He's there to make sure that they excel on the football field, but they get degrees. They become successful, uh, you know, young people uh, that go off into the world. And uh, and then he said something that really, I, I realized what was going on here. And he's like, they come here a boy and they're going to leave a man. That's my job. And I'm thinking, this guy is thinking three steps ahead because he's, he's talking about recruiting right now. And who's he talking to, Jared? He's talking to the parents. The parents. Yep. Specifically mothers. Like, you know the story of how uh, involved Michael Jordan's mother was in his choices of where he went to school, signing with Nike over Adidas, all of that kind of stuff. It is a thing, especially in the black community. And Dion is talking straight to the moms there. She's like, you send him over to me. I'm going to take care of him. He's going to leave a man. Right. Yep. And I'm just like, you know, that's just kind of prescient to be talking in an interview after your second game but talking really you're talking to your next recruiting season right mm-hmm. but yeah but what what focus though is the marketing lesson of course is it's not about me it's about these kids it's about his intended audience that he was talking to right then he's always he understands who he's talking to at different times and he realizes it's about them not about him but he gets what he wants if he speaks to them in the right way, if he says the the right what in with the right how, and then you win. And that is not only the secret to everything we do as entrepreneurs and content marketers, it's also the topic of this very episode. That's right. It is. And you know, it's a great transition into this first topic that we're going to discuss too, because one of the things that has made this story so compelling is there's a lot of new coaches that come in and they turn over their roster and they win. Blah, like we see that. Dion has created something bigger. He's really created a movement, not just within the players themselves, but among fans of Colorado. You know, I mean, Folsom Field had the biggest, uh, I think the biggest attendance that they've had. You've got the old alums like my dad out there posting pictures on Facebook, wearing the CU shirt. Like he's spurring people to action because of the winning, yes, but also the way that he's delivering his messages to them. And this leads me to this first question I want to ask you, because in last week's premium lesson, 
you talked about the power of thinking in terms of movements instead of audiences, which is obviously well known, uh, a well-known concept inside of our company. But you also said something that I, I hadn't really heard before, and I'm curious to talk with you more about it, which is that because movements are inherently about change away from the status quo, this provides entrepreneurs and content marketers with an opportunity to break through. Can you unpack that, elaborate on that point a little bit? Yeah, it's... Uh... It's an interesting thing because you see people that, you know, we've been trying to help over the last uh, decade and a half, you know, they'll try to break into a niche or an industry and then you tell them not to do it, but they basically go in and they mimic the existing gurus or the thought leaders, right? And, and people of all levels of talent and capabilities do this, right? They go in and they're basically just joining in with the existing voices, which is the status quo. But guess what? The status quo doesn't need you. The power structure is already set for the way things are. They don't need you. There's no room for you, right? They don't. The only thing you do by mimicking others is you reinforce their status. It's like the Pepsi challenge, right? That everyone talks about how. You know, according to these blind test tastes, people like Pepsi more than Coke. There was some dispute about the validity of that in the first place. But what, what it really did was solidify that Coke is the market leader and it's what people prefer. And it didn't change. Right. So so when you go in and you start creating content that does nothing but point out who the power structure and thought leaders actually are. It's not a way to break in because, you know, there's no need for those people to give you a seat at the table. Um, but when you think in terms of movements, then that is necessarily, you know, you're someone who's saying things that other people resonate with that are new, that that deviate from the status quo in a way that you feel it should go. And then the people that uh, resonate with you are feeling the exact same way. And that's what people who become leaders in movements do. They present new ideas that resonate with certain people, and that forces the status quo to bend or at least make room for you. And it's kind of been the story of my entire entrepreneurial career something I didn't realize to about five years ago, but uh, it's incredibly powerful, especially for bootstrapped content audience first type businesses. So in other words, <clears throat> a movement represents something new, which is, you know, another way of saying different, basically. That's an astute observation because we understand that at the heart of effective marketing is, is differentiation, right? It's, it's whether you want to think about it as the unique selling proposition or positioning or the new thing is on category design where you're kind of create your own space all by yourself. How do you think that happens, right? It's by deviating from what is and taking people in a direction they want to go, even if they weren't consciously aware of it, right? And that, again, is what a movement does. So movements naturally create difference because like you said, different is a synonym for new, right? Especially psychologically. Um, 
It means you have to bring a strong set of perspectives. You got to have a point of view. Have you ever seen the, the content marketing people out there? They're just begging their clients, please stand for something. Please have a point of view because that's part of it. That's the difference. That's how are, how do we stand for something that's not the same old, same old. Um, and, and how about just focus on the people you're supposed to be leading instead of yourself, not your personal brand, but something bigger than you, right? These are basically all the elements that terrible marketing efforts lack, right? So um, from a mindset standpoint, it's incredibly powerful, but it, it's important to note that you don't have to start a movement and you you certainly don't have to say, we're starting a movement, right? Because usually when people say that, they aren't, right? You have to demonstrate it through those perspectives, through the different um, outlook that you've got by a focus on, on the audience and saying, this is what's better for you. You should listen to me about this because the way things are, aren't, isn't good for you. It's good for these bozo gurus over here that are, are the part of the existing power structure. So, but yeah, what I realized after we sold Studio Press, while I was casually sitting there in France with a, a glass of Bordeaux, reflecting on my career for what seemed like the first time ever. And I just realized I had joined movements with every business that I started going back to like 2002, right? So the, the real estate brokers that I started, people like the part about that it was completely virtual and it was this was pre-Zillow and I built these platforms scraped together with websites and duct tape and, and the MLS and all these things that were new at the time. But the reason why I succeeded so quickly and um, to the extent I did was because I was different. Um, it, it was the exclusive buyer broker movement, which basically just means Unlike most realtors who represent buyers and sellers and sometimes both sides of the transaction at the same time, which is just really a bad deal for the buyer, turns out, you know, the seller turns out okay. Um, anyway, that type of broker or agent uh, only represents the buyer, which was a natural fit for me coming from my background as an attorney, right? And then let's fast forward to Copyblogger right then. Uh, there was blogging, but what was new was professional blogging, people trying to make money from it. Again, that's uh, something Darren Rouse was at the forefront of, of trying to get going. But Copyblogger came in with a completely different perspective on how that should work, which involved not making money necessarily through advertising, but by selling products and services. Well, what does that sound like? Well, that's content marketing, but it, was, it wasn't until two years later that that caught on. And you note though, that at, when, when content marketing kind of took off, that whole movement became huge, $50 billion industry a year now. Um, the blogging thing kind of went away. Like uh, there was actually, remember when people would say, well, you don't have to call it a blog. And and they're they're not posts, they're articles, right? So this yeah. was the the whole shift where the worst word ever content, <laughs> you know, became that that thing. And and really, uh, there are many people who argue right now that you don't even need to say content marketing; it's just marketing. Yes, especially in the digital realm. 
And then there was a premium WordPress market, you know, WordPress open source movement, all open source movements that are successful. Eventually, you'll have people come in and start charging money in various ways, usually for support or premium software or what have you. And uh, that was really our big one. When you think about how we made it to eight figures in revenue, it was moving into the software world. And WordPress was its own little weird place. But I spoke to the business people, to the non-technical content creators, because the status quo were the developers who didn't understand how to talk to people and didn't really seem to be interested in it, right? You remember those days. <clears throat> I remember. Absolutely. So that was, yeah, that was the realization that I had that, you know, as a bootstrapped entrepreneur that is audience focused and content focused, if you can find the right perspective, the right difference and the right attitude to tap into with a identifiable, identifiable group of people that aren't being served by the status quo, then you can get an, not only a successful business, but one that takes off really quickly, right? Because you're connecting with them at a much higher level than what we think of as marketing. Yeah. All right. So there's something else that I noticed, which is that you're now using this term empowerment marketing, which is new. What's What's the story with empower empowerment marketing? Yeah, that's interesting. That's a, a term that I came across um, over a decade ago. And it's funny that you use the word story because it really exemplifies a shift in the way marketers tell stories to persuade people to buy stuff. Um, it was first used, as far as I know, in a book called Story Wars by Jonah Sachs. Uh, was published in 2012. And so he made this uh, kind of historical um, detailing of marketing in the 50s and 60s, the Mad Men years, all the way through to current times, especially demarcated by the internet, right? When the, the power shifted to the consumer over the seller, thanks to you know the proliferation of information, um, you know, the access to anyone selling almost anything at any time, you couldn't really treat the prospect too poorly there and get away with it, right? But uh, yeah, so Sachs would talk about in the old days, it was inadequacy marketing, right? It was like, and it's all built around status, which is one of, I know you and I love to geek out about it because uh, as people who build and manage and run communities, we see behavior in people that they often don't even want to admit is status driven because status is kind of a dirty word because we don't like to admit that we're status seeking monkeys as, as you know yeah. as the term as <laughs> has been used um but you know it doesn't have to be a bad thing we do good things for status right within with our groups and and all of that good thing anyway but inadequacy marketing literally says you are low status scum <laughs> and we the hero brand you know like cadillac well your your neighbor has a cadillac and you've got a buick what what what's wrong with you right i mean that was the gist of it i'm only slightly exaggerating um so that was inadequacy marketing and it doesn't play very well these days 
I remember one of the Kardashians, it may have been Kim, kind of took an inadequacy uh, approach on one of her social media sponsored things. And the backlash against her was just, don't make me feel bad about myself. Who are you? You know, it was brutal. And that's why you don't see it as much anymore. So now we have empowerment marketing. Well, guess what? That's an elevation of status too, but it's done from a more motivational. It's a very coach prime way of dealing yes. with it, right? <laughs> yes. And those kids say, I'll run through a wall for coach prime. It's because he's motivated and empowered them in a way that makes them incredibly loyal to this guy. And, and this is, um, this is the whole concept behind empowerment marketing as to why I started using this term. Well, I am disenchanted uh, with content marketing. All, you know, apologies to my friend, Joe Polizzi, who convinced me to use it all those years ago. It doesn't really tell you anything. First of all, content creation has, has, has kind of replaced the marketing part of it. It's like, we create content, therefore that's marketing. No, you have to create content that is marketing it's not marketing just in itself, you know, and you've got this kind of Google search engine motivation here where if you create content, you get traffic and then question mark and then sales, right? Well, the question mark is the part you're missing because your content is not doing the job of marketing at all. So that's part of it. Empowerment marketing at least tells you what your goal is, right? You need to create messages, content, and copy that motivates a person to feel like, yes, I can solve my problem with the help of this person. The other thing that's really important here, um, and we can go into this a little bit deeper, but when you look at the longevity economy, to the extent that older people are marketed to at all, which often we know they're not, when they are, aging is seen as a series of problems to be solved. It is, you are inadequate. You are old. And that doesn't jive with what most people's experience is as an older person. They want to be empowered. They want to live life to the fullest. And they're just not getting this type of attention when they're not being ignored at all, right? Mm -hmm. So to me, I decided this was a great time to dust this term off. I mean, effectively, this is the kind of marketing that works, period. But in the context of older consumers, I think it's it's more useful to think about it in these terms because of the unique level of neglect <laughs> that has been going yeah. on and, and what needs to change in a 180-degree turn. And so, you know, so we talked about inadequacy marketing where the, the kind of, it's kind of position where the brand is the hero. Here, the prospect is the hero, not the brand. And that brings us to the empowering mark, empowerment marketing framework. Yeah, it's interesting. So um, again, going back to that book, uh, Story, what was it? Story Wars, right, Jonas Sachs. Anyway, so his... Um, perfect metaphor for empowerment marketing is, you know, replacing the buyer's journey with the hero's journey, 
Does that sound familiar to anyone out there? Right. So I've uh, I've been teaching that way since 2007. Uh, so that's even before Sack's book came out. Right. Um, so there was another book. Um, the first time I've ever seen the hero, you know, jo OK, for those who aren't familiar, Joseph Campbell came up with the monomyth, a.k.a. the hero's journey. You know, it's the story of Christ, Moses, Buddha, Luke Skywalker, Neo from the Matrix, Dorothy from the Wizard of Oz, right? It's a foundation of all these high impact stories. And uh, it's also the way we kind of live our own lives. We see ourselves maybe not as a hero, but the protagonist of our own life story. So when you as a marketer come in and, and don't try to say, hey, I'm the hero, I'll solve all your problems because you suck. Instead, you're like, look, all you need is some guidance and I'm going to do that for you and we're going to get there. That's the difference between inadequacy and empowerment. So the very first book to tie marketing to the hero's journey was called The Hero and the Outlaw. And this is a book about using archetypes for branding and business purposes. Again, ring any bells, <laughs> Jared, for <laughs> how we deal with coaching clients, how yes. we you know, how we help people meet their goals. And this was published way back in 2001. And the funny thing is back then when I read it, it wasn't an epiphany. It was just like, okay, this makes perfect sense. Now think about my background beyond the psychology and sociology from undergrad. I was an attorney. Our job function is to be the guide, the advisor, not the hero. The client is the hero. So I had that mindset already. So then I go into this new business, which is real estate, which is also agent broker relationship with the client. So I guess I just kind of came to this and it was just like, okay, this is intuitive. This marketing thing. Remember, I'd never studied marketing before I read permission marketing and then books like this, right? So I'm like, this marketing thing is no big deal, man. It wasn't until maybe... 17 years later that I realized how profound that is because now you have books like um, Story Brand, right, by Donald Miller. It is literally the hero's journey. There are other frameworks that basically get you to think of yourself as the mentor, as the guide, not the hero. They're the hero. And that's incredibly powerful because so many people think marketing is about puffing yourself up, making claims, hype, you know, all of this stuff that doesn't work. So from that simple mindset shift, I've been saying this for decade and a half now, which is if you can remember that they're Luke Skywalker and you're Obi-Wan Kenobi, you're ahead of most marketers out there. And so again, you've got like, you know, story brand is a whole thing, but it's really just that first step, the marketing 101 thing, which is it's about them, not you. But then you have to figure out, okay, but that doesn't tell me what to say and how to say it, right? Yep. But it does tell you that the only way you're going to figure that out is to truly and intimately understand who your audience is. And now you can start doing the work. Yeah. So the hero's journey is a nice metaphor, and uh, I, I don't belabor the steps. I at one point I tried to map it all, you know, to uh, the exact thing, and some other people have done that. It's not necessary, right? It's just the basic 
mindset that you're taking them from problem to solution through content messaging copy that gets them where they want to be and gets you what you want, which is a customer or client. So the empowerment marketing framework is our internal process for getting people to, to work through that. You know, you're, you're basically putting the prospect as a hero. Sure. That they're the focus of the attention, but again, that's just the starting point. The real secret is you don't know what to, what to say or how to say it to effectively guide the prospect unless you intimately know the prospect. And that's what we're about to get into uh, with the premium lessons specifically again for older consumers um you know to a certain degree i uh cautiously let people know that i think there's so much low-hanging fruit out there that um if you go through this process you're almost guaranteed to win and that's not something that i usually say um, because it's ultimately up to the person to pick the right niche and to pick the right positioning and and all of that kind of stuff. But that that's exactly what this framework does. So that's what we're getting into on the uh, paid side of things. But with the podcast, we're going to continue talking to cool guests. Um, the Bradley Sherman interview was fantastic and got a lot of nice feedback from people on that one. Uh, we're going to continue with those. But you and I are also going to kind of go into uh, within this thought of being a leader of a movement, what type of messages, what type of content generally can we uh, look to in order to to really make an impact? But if you want the deeper dive, um, I highly uh, recommend taking us up on our introductory premium pricing. It will be going up. You knew that was coming. Uh, that's just how it works, but, uh, yeah, get on board for that. Uh, I promise it will be worth your while. And to do that, <clears throat> you can go to longevitygains.com or go directly to longevitygains.com slash premium. And that will show you the options so that you can get started right away and you'll get access to the stuff that's already been published and then everything that is to come. Yeah. Premium subscribers get the entire archive. They get everything that's new, including the exclusive stuff. But, you know, the people who have been involved in uh, as members in past projects, they know that they paid a similar price to, to what longevity gains cost. And then I, you know, week after week delivered lessons and a whole lot more than that. And then I carved out those lessons and that became a $500 course. I have a feeling with this subject matter, that there will be multiple courses and they're going to cost more than $500. So this is a good deal. Uh, no pressure, obviously, but uh, we would like to empower you with our Substack content. <laughs> and when we inevitably launch our Colorado football post-game show, that will only be for premium subscribers. So another reason to get signed up. <laughs> right. And that's when we'll see just how ineffective all this talk about the buffs has been. But, you know, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? Longevitygains.com, longevitygains.com slash premium. That is where to go to get signed up. We hope to see you over there. Take care, everyone. <laughs>